You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to the Circling the Wagons podcast, a podcast discussing the Bills all year round with interviews, news, recaps, and insightful fan discussion. Most times. Here's your host and lifelong Bills fan, Nate. Hey Bills fans, welcome to another episode of Circling the Wagons, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast and the only podcast not accused of soliciting prostitution from a day spa. I'm your host, Nate, and we have a great show for you with a special guest appearance from Kyle Trimble of bangedupbills.com. If you're unfamiliar with Kyle's work, he's a doctor of physical therapy that is able to diagnose sports injuries as they happen on the field and then also decide a rough rehab timeline of when the player could be expected back on the field. We go over a bunch of Bills players like Matt Milano and Teron Johnson and also discuss newly signed offensive lineman Spencer Long and some potential draft prospects, including the absolute colossus of a human being, DK Metcalf, wide receiver out of Ole Miss. Now, the NFL scouting combine is this week, and we just got the combine results on DK Metcalf. And I posted this on Twitter. He is six foot three, 228 pounds. He did 27 reps on the bench. He has a 40 and a half inch vertical. He has a 4.33 40 time and a 1.6% body fat. Unbelievable. Just incredible stats. So I just posed a question on Twitter asking if he was worth the number nine overall pick for the Bills, because obviously wide receivers in need. And I got a ton of responses ranging from he wasn't even the best wide receiver on his own team to um, he won't even be available at number nine. So we'll see. Um, After free agency, I'm going to have more knowledgeable people than myself to speak on the subject and just really get a good feel for this guy and if he can really stand up to all the hype. So check out what Kyle says about Metcalf's injury history in our interview and if he thinks it'll affect him in the future as well. So without further ado, Kyle from (laughs) bangedupbills.com. He is a doctor of physical therapy from Deuville and uses his extensive injury and rehab expertise to create a site, bangedupbills.com. Has been kind enough to talk Bills injuries with us on this episode. I'm joined by Kyle Trimble. Kyle, it's great to finally have you on the podcast. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me on tonight. Absolutely. I appreciate you coming on. Now, you're a licensed doctor of physical therapy. And my wife is in the rehab field, so I'm vaguely familiar with what you do. But let the listeners know what a normal physical therapist does and what a doctor of physical therapy has the ability to do and some of the differences. Okay. Uh, So I like to describe physical therapists as the movement experts. Uh, There's lots of different people out there that can diagnose injuries and treat them. You got athletic trainers, physical therapists, uh, physician assistants, um, orthopedic surgeons, 
uh, chiropractors, et cetera. But uh, we're positioned in the way that we can uh, take somebody from the initial injury all the way to getting them back on the end, on, onto the field. Um, not that other people can't do that, but sometimes, hey, we can diagnose this, but let's send you off somewhere else to take care of that. Well, we could take you from you know beginning to end. Um, you know, with the with, with the doctor of physical therapy, that's really just the degree. Uh, I mean, there's people out there practicing with their bachelor's, master's, and doctorate. Um, it just at the at that time, that's what was required for them to be uh, licensed as a physical therapist. Uh, you're going to find people with bachelors that have been working for 30, 40 years. They just, they know anything and everything because they've been out there so long. You know, it doesn't make them less qualified than somebody with a doctorate, but the doctor profession has just been pushed more from the uh, national uh, governing body of physical therapy saying, hey, we are to be more autonomous as a profession. We won't be out there saying, hey, we're leaders in identifying these injuries and rehabilitating them. So our level of education has to reflect that, hence the doctor of physical therapy. Uh, some people would say it's just a money grab, you know, more years of school. But um, I know that the level of education I have uh, has parlayed to um, five things that sometimes you would miss if you didn't have that level of education or exposure in the clinical or in the classroom setting. So you're able to actually diagnose certain things without getting a doctor's order. Is that correct? Yeah. So what we have is direct access, and this is starting to go more nationwide over the past few years. Um, some states are still kind of working toward it, but what it says is you can go into an outpatient physical therapy clinic um, or just run a physical therapy clinic and say, hey, I have this injury. You know, Can you treat me? And uh, don't quote me on this because I haven't looked in New York State in a while, but I believe it's 30 days or 10 treatments. Um where a therapist can see you um, and the insurance will uh, pay for it. Sometimes they won't depending on the insurance that uh, they can be seen by a physical therapist. And then if they're getting better, great, they're done. If they're not, then they need to have a doctor sign off the orders to, have to continue treating on. The reason behind that is just to check some balance so that you don't have a therapist just treat somebody uh, because they say, well, you have this going on, you know, it's just that balance. So they're not being, mm-hmm. um, and they're not being taken for a ride, mm-hmm. but it's also ethically the right thing to do. Hey, let's get this checked out. If it's not getting better within a month. So um, mm-hmm. if somebody out there was interested in that, you just have to check the insurance company if you want to go through insurance. But there's a lot of cash-based physical therapists out there who say, hey, I'm going to pay you 50 bucks you know, for this session, let's say. And you go off and do whatever you need to do. So a lot less insurance regulations and more autonomy within the PT mm-hmm. as a result of that. Mm-hmm. Okay, great, great. So it kind of gives you gives listeners an idea of how much experience you have and, and what you're able to do in your in your practice. So, I mean, just in general, it's really cool for people that don't know. You've created a great blog at bangedupbills.com that I referenced before in the podcast where you see injuries on the field and basically try to diagnose which bones or ligaments or body parts in general have been affected and and how much rehab that player will have to endure based on your knowledge um, in physical therapy. Am I saying that all correctly, or did I miss anything in describing your site? That's pretty much the general gist of what I'm trying to do. I want to try to educate my fellow Bills fan to say, hey, this is what I think happened. Once we get more information, this is what happened, and then what the expected outcome is. Obviously, things happen, but it's better to at least have an idea of what's going on rather than the whole, you know, chicken little sky is falling approach. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's great. So, and you're also a Bills fan, um, first and foremost. What at what point did you decide I have to take all of this practical knowledge I have in my career and years of experience 
and apply it to my favorite NFL team? Um, when I decided that, um, it was never really a, a distinct time. Um, I had, um, was kind of playing with the idea for a while and I saw that people were looking for writers and whatnot through, you know, an article or two out there and it was kind of like crickets. I was like, well, this doesn't go on over how I, I thought, I thought people would want this information. So I said, hell with it. I'm going to do my own thing. So I just, you know, started doing a WordPress site and, you know, said, let's, let's go with this. And, went on from there, but it started before um, talking with uh, the guys over at Rock Power Port over Twitter and mm-hmm. saying how I had um, uh, information about that stuff. And they're talking about soft tissue injuries. So I said, Hey, I'm a PT. I know this stuff. And then you just realized, Hey, there was a need for this and people wanted to know about that stuff. So I figured well, let's run with this and see where it takes me. Yeah. Well, great, great. Well, I mean, speaking of that, I mean, let's go down the list of current bills injuries to major starters and find out if they'll be ready by training camp in late July. So Matt Milano suffered a broken fibula versus the Jets in week 14 of last season. Where do you think he is in his rehab? And when do you think the Bills can expect him to be 100%? So looking back at his injury, because I always have to still go back and look at when they injured just to double check. Um, But let's see, he injured at... I want to say it was early December, maybe December 9th. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So I think if I recall correctly, just off the top of my head, I think it was about six to nine months we're looking at for the uh, injury to rehab fully. Um, So he's what three months in now. Mm -hmm. So he's about halfway there um, in regards to getting things healed up. So he's probably just finally weight bearing on that. He's able to start, uh, you know, getting back doing more biking and you know, lower leg strengthening, uh, Mm -hmm. those activities that allow him to start getting back to just normal activities, such as walking, um, going up and down stairs, things like that. He is still far away from running and whatnot, but, um, he's, he's going to be able to progress pretty well. Um, I'm looking at that protocol right now and, you know, 12 weeks out, he's initiating a walk to run program. So, Mm -hmm. He's not quite 12 weeks out, but he's getting pretty close. I think maybe this might be around that 12 weeks. So um, I'm sure he's doing a lot of upper body stuff because there's no restrictions on that at that mm-hmm. point. So he can do everything else in between and just keep his body up to uh, speed and then allow that things to continue healing up and progress so he doesn't irritate things uh, in the affected surgical area. Okay. Okay, great. Now, also, um, Taryn Johnson also went on IR after the Jets game in week 14 after dealing with a nagging shoulder labrum injury. Um, you know, wh- where do you think he is in his rehab, and when do you think the Bills can expect him back? He's doing pretty well. I mean, I know that he had, as soon as they realized he was out of the, excuse me, the Bills were out of the um, playoff race, they shut him down, which is the right thing to do. They said there wasn't any purpose to have him keep going on. So they shut him down around the same time that, um, um, that Matt Milano had gone down. So his recovery is also about the six to nine month recovery, um, based on the healing that has to occur in there. Um, I, I can't find the thing right now, but he's, he's at this point, he's probably working on, uh, further getting the total range of motion, uh, back to normal. Um, he's been working on some light strengthening and just starting to get that shoulder back to normal function. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's still far away from a weight, uh, weight training. He's still far away. Mm-hmm. away from doing crazy football related drills mm-hmm. so um at this point he probably might not even be running um off the top of my head 
so he still has a ways to go, but he had the same type of surgery that Zay Jones had uh, last year. We saw that Zay did take a step forward in his overall uh, progression with regards to his play. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think ha- what happened with that Teron Johnson was just unfortunate, and then he kept on re-injuring the area, which eventually led to the surgery. Okay, so you are not talking to somebody who's an expert like in anatomy by any means. So mm-hmm. where in the shoulder is the labrum, and is that an injury that is likely to occur again? Uh, so labrum is a cartilage, uh, not a cup, but it's like a raised portion of cartilage that helps deepen the glenoid fossa, which is the part that the head of humerus, which is like near the top of the, the shoulder bone, mm-hmm. that helps articulate with that so you can move your arm in all different directions. So it kind of helps deepen it, kind of like what a golf tee um, the top of the golf tee does for the golf ball so oh, it can okay. sit in that divot. Mm-hmm. So it allows you to uh, move around. So when you tear that, you basically take a chunk out of that and that leads to the shoulder uh, moving off the, or if the, the golf ball was moving off the golf tee, it would move off a lot easier because it could stand there properly um, when you put the forces through it in regards to flexion, which is overhead, abduction, whatever move would, would pop that shoulder out of place or subluxate, it, which is partial dislocation. So um, it's, it's unfortunate they do go back in, uh, uh, fix everything in there and correct it and make sure that heals up pr- correctly. It is possible he could tear that again. Um, but it's it just kind of wait and see. I, I hate saying that like there's a chance that he can, but uh, with, with any injury, there's no hundred percent sure thing that, Hey, it's not going to happen. We did see that with Sammy Watkins with his foot fears go, even mm-hmm. though he had the surgery, he still had issues there, but uh, we see most guys that that do have that injury. They, as long as they rehab properly, they come back and they can still continue a good career. Mm-hmm. I think the big thing that Toronto's going to have to do is change his playing style because he was very hard nosed, hitting hard, and that's what led to this injury. So I think he's got to have a little more finesse in his game. Mm-hmm. Uh, that will also lengthen his career. Otherwise, he's going to be out of the league pretty fast because his body just won't be able to hold up. Yeah, and that would be a shame just because he was rated at such a high corner and we saw it every Sunday, just just a beast on the field. Um, so that would, I mean, we're talking about, you know, a lot of different injuries right now. And, you know, you just mentioned Sammy Watkins, which I believe was more of, was that more of a soft tissue injury? Um, uh, no, that was a, a um, uh, fifth metacarpal uh, injury. So I believe they call that Jones. I'm um, just going off the top of my head. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but what happens there is that that fifth bone um, breaks in the uh, in the foot, and that just leads to just chronic problems. I and mean, we saw that with Des Bryant, Julio Jones, mm-hmm. um, and it just it, so they said usually it doesn't heal up right the first time. Despite surgical intervention, they have to go back in and fix it and take out the hardware. So that's what happened with them. I mean, they they kind of knew that that was going to happen. Obviously, if, if they don't have to go back in and take care of it again, they don't want to, but you know, obviously that happens, but he's been pretty good since then. He's had other injuries, but not to the level that he was having when he was with the Bills. Gotcha. Gotcha. Now, um, you know, Bill Center, Russell Bodine went down with a fractured fibula. Do you think he'll be ready for the regular season? Absolutely. I mean, his uh, injury was far less severe than Matt Milano's. So uh, Matt Milano had the fracture of the fibula, which is the outside portion of the bone, which makes up the uh, part of the ankle. Um, the fibula doesn't weight bear. It just has a lot of muscles attached to it so that you can do all your different foot movements. So, um, he had surgery to, to have a, uh, plate and screws installed in there. So it's it healed up correctly. Um, 
he, he should be back a little bit quicker than Matt Milano because A, uh, I think his injury is a little bit sooner than what Milano's was, and B, his just wasn't as severe. So he didn't have to worry about rehabbing the ankle ligaments back on top of the uh, fracture. Mm-hmm. The only downside with Bodine is they just signed Spencer Long. Um, I did a little research with him. Um, He has had some different, you know, different knee injury or knee injury at one point. I read up on a finger injury, Mm -hmm. which being a center, that's going to affect you snapping the ball. Um, That's not good if they're bringing in another center, you know, especially the guy that can that can switch over to guards. So I think the writing is on the wall for Bodine and he Mm -hmm. might have to go find another team. Otherwise, he might be out of the league. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, so we'll see where that goes, you know, as far as his career, we might not have even mentioned Russell Bodine. It might not matter in a few months, but yeah, I mean, the upside to him is he's at least going to be healthy looking for a new team. I mean, exactly. That's only benefit. Exactly. And he will be back if the bills decide to keep him, but, um, but okay, let's go on to Trent Murphy because Mm -hmm. Trent Murphy was coming off a major knee injury two seasons ago. And this last season, he dealt with a myriad of other issues like ankle and groin issues. Were they all separate issues or a result of his knee injury? Uh, I think they're all tied back in the knee injury. Now, the torn ACL and the recovery wasn't causing that stuff. But because Mm -hmm. he wasn't quite in football shape, I mean, even though he did rehab for a solid year, you heard how much he was squatting. I think they said he was doing 400 pounds at one point. Uh, in like May afterward, um, he still wasn't in football shape. I mean, you lose a, a year of sports specific activity. It still takes time to get back into it. You still jump in. I mean, you saw guys like Adrian Pearson just dominate afterward. Yeah. Well, Adrian Pearson's still dominating when, you know, most running backs are supposed to be, you know, dead and gone. So he's the exception. Um, but Trent Murphy and along a lot of other guys just take the extra year to get back because you've lost year because of the injury you rehab and then you're trying to get back up to that incredibly high level of play. You know, if Trent Murphy was just trying to go bike and run, you know, just normal activities, he'd have been back to normal. But since he has to go back to NFL related activities, it just takes longer. Um, you know, it's not even so much a healing thing. It's just getting that technique back down. So when he's asking his body to do more and more and more, it just wasn't reacting how he was used to or the, how that, how it needed to be. And then as a result of those injuries, um, he did have some injuries that just kind of, you know, uh, wrong place, wrong time. I think he got hit uh, one of the weeks. I think during the Colts game, he missed a few weeks because some guy ran into his knee. Well, hey, sprained knee, it happens. But mm-hmm. the groin stuff and some of the ankle stuff, it's like, well, you work with what you got and try to get back into it. Mm-hmm. So, do you think he pushed it too much in his rehab, or do you think that was just it? Just it just is one of those issues. It just went south, and there's nothing you can do about it. I think it just went south, uh, and not a whole lot you can do about it. I mean, you could tell he was trying to get back out there. It wasn't like he was just saying, I got another contract. I'm good to go. You heard his work ethic. Mm-hmm. If you read the, uh, I think athletic made a great article uh, back at the beginning of the season of how, you know, he pushed himself. So I don't think he's just going to show up and just get a paycheck like uh, some other former bills did, like uh, Marcel Darius. Mm-hmm. However, um, I just think that uh, it was just a lot of bad luck with Trent Murphy. And one thing I've noticed is some people start talking about him being a cap casualty. Uh, my two thoughts are, is why are we talking about cap casualties? We have so much space. Mm-hmm. He showed that he can play at a high level and he's going to get better after another year. And I, I just, I just don't see them the need to cut him. He was better than what we had out there most of the time. So 
you know, hopefully he just gets back over that hump where he's not dealing with the health issues uh, that he was last year. So, I mean, you know, as a, as a Bills fan watching this from a distance and not having the injury knowledge that you have, obviously, you know, you, you hear about the season ending injury and then him having another season full of injuries. I mean, do you think he'll be a hundred percent this year without any setbacks or is, could he be a player that's quote unquote injury prone? Uh, I think coming in the season, he's, he's going to let everything heal back up and then he's going to come back in hopefully a hundred percent. And of course we never fully know what kind of injuries these guys are dealing with, you know, even minor ones that can become chronic or whatever. But, um, you know, with how much money these guys are making, I would hope that they're spending the appropriate amount of money to get themselves as ready as they can be because their bodies are their job. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I, I assume that he's going to get, do whatever he can to get as healthy as he can. I think rest is just a big portion of that. Um, but I think 2019 Trent Murphy is going to, uh, start turning some heads because he's going to finally be, have a year under football underneath his belt after being out the year before that. And then he's going to just really know how to ramp up and do the, you know, the defense cause he's going to know the calls. And I think he's going to turn a lot of heads. I, I, I don't think that Bill's mafia should give up on him just yet. Do you think Trent Murphy could be quote unquote injury prone? And what do you think about that term in general? And that was that was bad luck. There was no injury prone about that. It was just a bad hit, and you know they started noticing something's going south, and you can't do anything more. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, somebody that's not warming up and doing what they need to do and chronic to get hamstring issues. Well, you know that could be well if you're not warm up properly, if you're not stretching, if you're not strengthening, then you could be considered injury prone. But mm-hmm. I just like not to use the term altogether injury prone. Gotcha. Just I'm not a fan of it. Gotcha. All right. We'll strike that from the podcast. (laughs) All right. Let's move on to Bill's starting quarterback, Josh Allen. So a lot was made of Allen's comeback after the injury to the UCL on his right shoulder. Knowing what you know now and seeing what you saw in the collision of that Houston Texans game, was Allen lucky to only have a UCL sprain after being sandwiched by Jadavian Clowney and Whitney Merciless? Uh, well, that quick uh, correction there, just because I'm, mm-hmm. I'm being a PT here. The UCL isn't actually in the elbow. I think I was just a uh, miss miss uh, speaking. No. But anyway, no, no, no. I was uh, I was actually testing you, Kyle. Okay, so you, okay. Well, at least I passed. passed. That, <laughs> okay, okay, all right, good, good. <laughs> so, um, I, I think he was lucky in how the injury occurred because we know most of the time the UCL injuries are the baseball, the Tommy Johns. So we see those from people uh, just pitching so much, so often, so fast. The fact that uh, Allen got hit how he did with, I believe, his Merciless coming up underneath him. He got hit from, I think, the left by Clowney. Merciless came up, hit the elbow, and then hyperextended it, led to that injury. So the fact that it, it happened that way was a lot better than if he had thrown it or fell directly on the area. Um, I think there's a lot less damage that occurred as a result of that. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay, good. Well, we're we're lucky. If it, let's say it had been a Tommy John issue or whatever, you know, how long would would he be out? What, what's a rehab on something like that? Uh, Tommy John's are brutal. I've uh, been up north. I mean, we do see those, uh, but we're not seeing those as much as we do see them down south. I know personally, I've worked on one Tommy John because I think the guy just had just overdone it. But that's something not something we're seeing as much from my understanding up here, just because we're not able to pitch year round, you know, mm-hmm. if, if you're a baseball player, but the Tommy John, uh, without looking up the rehab, we're looking at like 18 months, two years for people to be actually back. And then there's far from a guarantee. Uh, usually we see that 
those baseball players that go out, they're done for the year, and then they're maybe coming back if they're lucky the next year. That's we're talking twelve months, but oh, wow. a lot of times you see guys out even longer. So uh, I, I've told a few other people this, but the benefit to the Josh Allen injury versus the other traditional Tommy John injuries is that he's not throwing as fast, he's not throwing as often, and the velocity is a lot different. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to see more of an overhand um, with the arm full. Uh, 90, 90, be 90 degrees of shoulder reduction and uh, 90 degrees of elbow flexion, really putting a lot of pressure on that UCL, which is the medial uh, ligament in the elbow. Um, Josh is more or less throwing three quarters arm and he's kind of throwing out, out past his body in a sense. So he's not keeping it in close. So, mm-hmm. you know, he's able to extend his arm a little bit more. While there is a lot of pressure on there, he's just not throwing as fast and he's able to you know, throw it where he needs to rather than trying to, you know, get right down to uh, 60 feet, six inches down in the catcher's mitt. So he has more leeway with where he's throwing it. But uh, he really avoided a lot of issues by not fully tearing that uh, ligament. Okay, great, great. Well, we have something to be thankful for this last season. Um, Yes. As far as the NFL draft is concerned, are there any top prospects that could land at the Bills pick that have any notable injuries? Uh, yeah, yeah, there was um, a few. Um, I know DK Metcalf has been talked about. That's been like top uh, 10 first round for sure. I did see some picture out there that he was absolutely ripped. Yeah, I mean, we're, yeah. yeah I, I saw that briefly. I'm like, oh my God. Holy I mean, <laughs> yeah, and that was. That was it looked photoshopped, didn't it? It looked photoshopped. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's possible to make it, but it's like, holy yeah not for a wide receiver i'm scared <laughs> um so i mean he could uh he could land in the bills i don't like the idea that the bills are picking a wide receiver mm-hmm. in the first round we did see that happen with sammy Watkins, and, and of course we saw how that turned out mm-hmm. but um he had a neck injury and so i went and looked up this stuff and figured out what was going on uh based on what i could find on twitter and you know what i know medically what he had was a called uh, a clay shovelers fracture. And basically the, what happens is uh, a spinous process on one of the lower cervical vertebrae uh, fractures. Um, the spinous process is the little bump that you feel like when you're palpating the spine, like you're feeling down it. Mm-hmm. If you do a, a scoliosis test, most people have had that at some point. So I think he fractured off a part of that and the fracture alone really isn't anything to be worried about. You can live with it and have some pain that heals up. But I think what the big thing was, the surgeon said, let's take that piece of bone out that prevents you from uh, having any chronic pain down the line and having other complications such as just pain and missing missing time because you basically hit it funny and you inflamed everything and caused other problems. So um, cutting through all the tissue and muscle ligaments and whatnot to remove that piece of bone led to them just saying, Hey, let's shut you down, get you healthy. And then you're cleared. And I know he's been cleared since, uh, probably about two or three weeks ago. So he's gonna be a full participant in the combine and he should, shouldn't be having any problems to become uh, playing football. I think it was just how he, he fell in when he caught the ball and, you know, just unfortunate. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, so DK Metcalf, a possible, yeah. you know, wide receiver. Um, yeah. Other guys I've talked about LJ Scott, um, I don't know that he's a first rounder. I think he's probably more of a day three guy. They said he was dealing with some ankle injuries, but I, I really question what was going on there. Uh, the one I just watched what video I could find of him and things weren't matching up. I thought he might've had a hamstring issue or they thought they might've been trying to hide something. 
Um, one thing with college athletics I noticed after you know, Google search and whatnot, they don't really have to report their injuries. They're starting to move toward that with sports betting, but they can say whatever the heck they want or they don't have to report anything. Mm-hmm. So that makes college injury scouting very difficult um, just because you don't really know what's going on with that there. Um, so uh, I, I, I we'll see what happens with him. I don't think it's going to be anything you know, long-term with him. Um, I did Bryce Love. We know he tore his ACL. Um, that's pretty standard rehab to come back from. It's just whether um, what teams want to take a risk on him because he'll probably miss the first year. He might come back for the second half of the year, but just where he'd be at in depth chart, who he's going to be picked up by, and where his recovery is going to be at. And then um, Chase so, Winovic. Real quick, oh, real quick, Kyle. Um, Bryce yeah. Bryce Love, as a, as someone who's just starting to get into NFL draft prospects, who is he exactly? He was the um, Heisman runner-up last year uh, out of Stanford. He came back for his senior year and just kind of tanked. He just didn't really, mm-hmm. he just didn't really turn around. I mean, he was he was a real dynamic running back coming mm-hmm. out of Stanford last year, but he just for whatever reason just didn't put it together. And then on the last play of his regular season career, he tore his ACL, okay. which led to him missing the the um, uh, his bowl game. Mm-hmm. I mean, he said at that point, I want to focus on things. And then he came out to Yahoo Sports said, yeah, I tore my ACL. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that's gotcha. where he's led to be restricted on things. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. So switching gears a little bit um, from the NFL draft. So prior to Sean McDermott hiring his own strength and conditioning coaches, um, mm-hmm. there, there always seemed to be a lot of injuries to Bill's players, and it seemed to really hamper the success of those seasons. Now, in McDermott's first two seasons, knock on wood, there hasn't been a ton of season-ending injuries to key players. You know, obviously with bone breaks and certain injuries from impact, you really can't prepare for them. But what are your thoughts on the strength and conditioning staff being able to help prevent injury? And is there any credence to that line of thought? Uh, I, th- I think there's a lot of credence to it in that how you prepare is how you're going to play. I mean, they say that with just like regular practice, stuff like that, but a lot of times it's the, I mean, not a lot of times the strength and conditioning coach, along with the other rehab staff and whatnot, they're going to be looking to identify how can we prevent certain things? Like you said, fractures, uh, freak accidents, things like that. You know, it's going to happen. You can't prevent all of it, but if you can, make sure that you identify how somebody's running and say, Hey, let's try to fix that before that becomes a problem. Or, you know, Hey, you're landing funny. Um, you know, they, they, I'm sure they'll do hop testing and um, other screens to identify whether somebody is high risk for, let's say tearing their ACL or how they're tackling form is, Hey, let's change that. So you run the risk of, or decrease the risk of having maybe concussion, you know, do a direct contact or, um, let's make sure that you're not trying to do, go too hard, too fast with your running or uh, lifting when you're in the off season. Cause the last thing you want to do is push yourself too much for whatever reason. Then you have a setback, like a torn pec or something. So it's just really understanding what the body has to do. And it's not, you're trying to maximize every time you're trying to ramp it up slowly. You know, mm-hmm. they, they want to make sure the health of the player is the most important thing. And I really noticed they've done that over the past two years that we've had, one ACL tear over the past two years comparative to, I think we had five in the preseason with Rex Ryan. I mm-hmm. mean, what does that say about the change in training staff? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Great. Great. Well, that's another, another notch on, you know, Sean McDermott's belt of hiring the right staff, it seems. So, uh, you know, in general, one of the things I love about your site, Kyle, is that you not only give the information that we've discussed so far on this podcast about, 
you know, um, you know, injuries and stuff like that. But you also give your take a lot about the Bills, how players are performing, how the team is doing. So in general, I mean, the Bills finished six and ten this last season. Were you surprised at all at how the season turned out? And are you optimistic for twenty nineteen? Uh, I wasn't surprised about how the season turned out. I mean, of course, making the playoffs last year, you know, you want to see them, okay, well, they, you know, they, we got to do that again. Well, you realize they overachieved and they got lucky on a few things. Well, that's just how the NFL is. I, I think once you kind of start realizing what was happening, you know, with the loss of Richie Incognito, Eric Wood, um, some other key players leaving, you just realize, well, this isn't going to be the same season it was last year. It, it didn't need to be. Um you know, and we realized there's a long-term plan. We're not trying to get Super Bowl or bust right away. You were trying to build up to sustain success like we see in New England, um, as much as I hate saying that. <laughs> um, however, um, you know, the, the 6 and 10, it's promising because they went 3-3, three three, I believe, over the last six games. And while that 2-7 and seven was rough at the beginning, you know, you started seeing things um, – start to gel with Josh Allen coming back out of his injury. You started seeing players emerge like uh, Zay Jones had a real nice season from compared to his rookie year. Robert Foster came on Isaiah McKenzie social flashes. So you started seeing some things starting to gel together and then you saw where things were lacking. Say, okay, let's address that. Hopefully that, that fixes uh, June 2019. Um, I'm thinking they can make a playoffs 2019. Uh, playing New England twice a year doesn't help that, but we know the Jets aren't that great and the Miami's allegedly tanking. So that at least helps set us up to get some key wins against some other teams that hopefully we can start making some pushes and build for more sustained success rather than up and down, up and down. Yeah, absolutely. We just got to hope that, like you mentioned, their strong finish will help, you know, maybe coerce some uh, free agents into looking this direction, you know, with a, a sense of optimism from you know, the outside in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I you would think that some of the guys say, Hey, I like what they're doing in Buffalo. There's a good setup there. I want to be part of something that, Hey, gets them that title or Hey, gets them to that next level, what they had years ago. So what kind of articles are you working on now for bangedupbills.com? Uh, I'm working on uh, positional reviews. Um, so I go back, look at the stats for the season, look at the injuries sustained, how that, uh, what that means going forward, like for the 2019 season. So, uh, some of the guys that you see, okay, they had this injury. Well, I think I have a shot making the team next year because of said injury or, hey, he's been bagged up. I don't know if he's going to, because of his cap hit and injury history and age, I don't know if that's going to be a good fit. Like, um, I put up running backs. That was the most recent one I put. And, like, I was looking at Patrick DeMarco, for example. He's a guy that is a, is a process guy. He was a captain this past year. But stat-wise, he didn't do anything. He was mostly special teams. And so you're looking at the money they're paying. I'm thinking, yeah, you might not have gotten injured, but you didn't play a whole lot. Why are they keeping you around? Mm-hmm. Um, versus somebody like, let's say, LaShawn McCoy. He got banged up every which way. Concussions. Mm-hmm. I know he had ankle injuries, uh, hamstring. But we saw what he can do behind an effective, a, a very effective offensive line. Of course, he didn't have that this year, mm-hmm. which led to his worst season. Mm-hmm. So... He's another guy they've talked about cap casualties, but hey, you keep him on because once you build the offensive lineup, he's going to produce and show you why he's still one of the best backs in the NFL. So I try to look at each uh, player and say, hey, what are the chances they come back next year based on their injuries? Mm-hmm. Um, other articles I looked at, I, I've been working cover one, just trying to find out if there's any other guys that pop up injury-wise for college. Um, I got some other ideas in the works. I'm still kind of playing with regards to the questioning and mm-hmm. trying to just get more into 
what do the readers want? And, you know, I'll, I'll talk about anything that people need to or want to hear about or that I'm interested in, but you know, what, what am I, what am I missing that people want to get? And so sometimes it's just a matter of just seeing what's out there. Hey, what can I put my own spin on? So, um, ideas come to me all the time based on what's out there. Well, you mentioned LaShawn McCoy, and now now I have to ask this because he did deal with some injuries and obviously had a porous offensive line in front of him and then even questionable quarterback play, you know, in the first half of the season. Um, do you think that he returns to full health next season? Do we see any of the LaShawn McCoy that we saw um, just over a year ago or is our injuries and age just catching up with him? The fear is that age and injuries are catching up with him. He is over 30. We do see that go downhill over time. I mean, it's it's inevitable. You see just that that drop off. I mean, you get so many carries, everything else. That, but based on what McCoy had, he was out with a number of different injuries, none more severe, thankfully. I mean, he had the rib cartilage and concussion, hamstring. Those are all minor. Those are all healed fully and whatnot. Um, I think he's going to come back better next year. I think he's going to surprise a lot of people. Um, I'm not saying he's going to get 1,600 yards and 15 touchdowns, but I think he's going to be an effective back that could maybe get 800 to 1,000 yards behind a, a rebuilt offensive line and show people what Shady can do. He is Kyle Trimble, a doctor of physical therapy that runs bangedupbills.com. Find all his work there and find him on Twitter at bangedupbills. Thanks again for coming on, and always a pleasure to talk Bills and Bills injury updates with you. By the way, you guys like how I asked about what a labrum is? So I'm in my 30s, and I slept on my side wrong the other night, and I feel like I sprained my labrum. It's completely embarrassing. But anyway, um, quick T public plug. Um, if you're new to our podcast, we have a line of Bills t-shirts on our TeePublic store. So head over to tpublic.com slash stores slash ctwpod where there's 30% off everything right now, including our McDermott Trust the Process shirt, our Josh Allen Jumping Over the Haters shirt, and our always popular Circling the Wagons logo shirt. Um, our friend and uh, listener of the podcast, Mike Zink, on Twitter just bought one, and I retweeted the photo today, so check it out for yourself. If you don't like shirts, that's okay. It's cool. They have all of our designs in hoodies, cell phone cases, wall art, flags, pillows, everything just in time for free agency, the draft, and the 2019 season. So again, that site is tpublic.com slash stores slash ctwpod. The ctwpod is just like our Twitter handle, circling the wagons pod. Also, as I noted earlier, it's the NFL Combine this week, and the Bills are meeting with a lot of different prospects. Um, I know they're meeting with a lot of offensive linemen, which is great. We've stated before in previous episodes that the Bills need offensive line help in a big way. And I know you're like, wow, Nate, like big revelation there, tough guy. Um, <laughs> and that's, that, you know, that's what we're here for. Um, and in, in the spirit of the Combine, uh, this next week, we are re-releasing our Wonderlick podcast where um, all three of the hosts of Circling the Wagons, um, we describe the Wonderlick, we take the Wonderlick and report about it. It's one of my favorite non-Bills specific episodes we've done, and I promise you it'll both inform and entertain any of us. So take the Wonderlick free online for yourself next week um, before the podcast so we can compare scores. Um, and also check out BuffaloRumblings.com for all combine news and updates. Um, 
just a quick personal note, I'm expecting baby number two in a little while, so I will do my damnedest to record after free agency officially starts on March 11th when teams can uh, contact players, even though they can't technically sign until March 13th. You're going to hear about a lot of signings on March 11th. But um, I might be a little bit busy with my family. Um, I'm going to do the best I can. Luckily, I know Matt on the Q&A podcast or the guys that – Blitz Bills will definitely have you covered for that first week and probably really the most important week of free agency. And also a quick plug for our Apple podcast reviews. Um, just recently I made fun of Jalen Ramsey calling Josh Allen trash, even though uh, the Bills and Allen beat the Jaguars 24-21 in the regular season. And I made fun of the Jags fans as being bandwagon fans, and I thought it was ridiculous and called them out. And apparently some Jaguars fans who literally didn't exist more than two years ago, gave our podcast some crappy one-star ratings. Um, so, so to show them that we are still better than them in every aspect, I'd appreciate it if you could give us a five-star review on iTunes or tell someone with an iPhone to do so for us and help us beat the Jags fans in more ways than just on the field. It's, it's just unbelievable. One fan even sent a screenshot of the Jags selling a higher percentage of seats than the Bills in 2018. And it's like, yeah, your team just went to the damn AFC championship. But that was my point. You guys are bandwagon fans. And to prove it, I took this guy's ESPN site and looked at every year before 2018, and the Bills fans crushed them in attendance. It was, it was just embarrassing. So we aren't bandwagon, which was my original point, and apparently some Jags fans didn't appreciate it. So again, if you could help us out and counteract these guys and these crappy ratings, we'd appreciate it. Or don't. We're all busy. You know, God knows I don't leave reviews on every podcast I listen to. Um, but yeah, man, dude, Jags fans and Jets fans were both giving me hell. It was really funny. And uh, we finished better than both of those teams. So um, anyway, maybe we'll do a poll sometime on the podcast of the most annoying fans on Twitter. I'd say it's between um, Jets and Jags fans, or maybe even Dolphins fans. I'm not sure. But anyway, um, thanks again to Kyle Trimble of bangedupbills.com for coming on and talking current Bills injuries with us and correcting my poor anatomical knowledge. I'll uh, include his website and Twitter handle in the show notes. I look forward to having him um, on in the future and uh, you know just in case any Bills injuries happen during the season or we draft any guys with injury histories or we sign any guys in free agency with injuries history so he's a great resource check him out on bangedupbills.com and so for me Nate go Bills please leave us a review in Apple Podcast and we'll talk to you guys again soon thanks thank you for listening to the Circling the Wagons podcast download and subscribe to us in your favorite podcast service email us at ctwpod at gmail.com that's charlie tango whiskey pod at gmail.com follow us on Facebook and Twitter at ctwpod and most importantly go Bills Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.